Welcome everybody back to the Bridging the Gap podcast sponsored by RB&D Brand. Uh, today we got two special guests with us, Jaquiel Taylor, Anthony Gurley, uh, two pivotal influences in the basketball community. Um, Ant, would you mind introducing yourself? AG here, Ant Gurley, happy to be here. Definitely excited to uh, get on this, this, this podcast and build some basketball talking. Shaquille Taylor, thanks for having me. I appreciate y'all having me on this. I'm going to get right to it. Um, and could you mind explaining uh, to us your history in basketball? Um, how'd you get in love with basketball, and when did you first pick up a basketball? Oh, man. Um, let me rewind back. Uh, I started playing this game at about seven years old. Um, you know, I grew up in Roxbury, uh, you know, and um, growing up, I actually – like the beginning part of my life. I grew up in Mission Hill Projects. Um, so, you know, coming from there, like you see a lot of um, really talented basketball players that have come out of that area. So, I, um, you know, I grew up admiring these guys and, you know, just, just watching them play. And it also helped that my dad played back in the day as well too. He um, He played for Cathedral coming out of high school. So, um, basketball's always been like in my blood. It's always been something that's uh, been around me, and um, you know, from there, like my love for the game just grew. And it was always just a. Uh, it was like it was love at first sight, honestly. Uh, Jaquil, you wanna um, chime in and, f- and explain to us when did you start playing basketball? And mm. when I first started playing basketball, it was really like. And I would say, like, when I was, like, seven or eight, around the same age as him. But um, I didn't take it seriously until, like, eighth grade because, like, like, when I started playing, I didn't know if I was going to really – I didn't really see a future with it. But um, when I started continuing to play, and I played against people that were better than me, I wanted to get better, and I wanted to do more. It also helped by playing against my older brother, kicking my behind almost every single day. So that helped a little little bit of motivation. I play against my dad too. My dad also had the opportunity to play basketball as well. He played um North Cambridge Catholic. My dad was also a very good basketball player himself, so that helps out as well. And then I have two uncles that played Division One, um, Lamar and Keith Butler. They both played at Temple University. So playing against them when I was like when I was younger, it um it helped me just <clears throat> my bad. It helped me just create it just what's the word I'm looking for? It helped um it helped build some more motivation inside me because okay. I wanted to be better than them and I wanted to just continue to improve and then it just went on from there. I just continued to get I started to see progress. I started to get better and better each day playing against people that were better than me, my older brother. So, I mean, that's just how it started for me. So Jaquil, I know you, yeah, you you mentioned your brother, you mentioned your uncles. Um, I know your brother Maurice played Division One basketball for Niagara. That's correct. Um, your dad played collegiate basketball for Wentworth, if I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, your uncles Lamar and Keith played for Temple. Um, so I know you can probably say you had a lot of basketball influence in your life. Um, for Ant, this goes to you now. Uh, who are the people in your life that you saw? play basketball you saw I know you said when you grew up uh Michelle projects and you saw certain guys play ball and it it just motivated you to love the game 
um, who are those guys that you like pay homage to that just made you feel like, okay, I love basketball or I'm, or I'm going to fall in love with this game? Man, um, well, like I said, you know, the beginning part of my life, like I was, I lived in Mission Hill Projects and I grew up there. So, you know, I, I, I grew up like admiring and looking up to the Wayne Turners, to the, to the Will Blaylocks of the world, to the, um, you know, the Randall Jacksons. Um, those guys are like who I saw coming up. Um, and, you know, Will was a little closer in age to me. So it was like an event every time, like, we seen him in action. You know, it was it was just a, a, a very special a very special thing just to see him and how he moved and just the way he played and, and just the the way the city embraced him. Um it was definitely something special. Uh I also, you know, I grew up in in the Roxbury Y as well too. That was uh that was like my gym, you know. Still is my gym and it's always gonna be my gym. But um you know, I grew up in the Y, uh, the No Books, No Ball Basketball League. That really, like, put me on path. And there were some unbelievable players to come out of there as well, too. Um, you know, I remember, like, when I was younger, I saw this guy. His name is Ant Drayton. Um, I've never seen anything like it. Um, it j same thing as well. Like, he was just one of those guys that I looked up to, especially playing in the Roxbury Y League. Like, he was, man, he, he dude was a tough check. You know, lefty could really shoot it. He can pretty much do anything on the court that he wanted to do. And um, at that age, I just I knew that I loved this game, and I knew that this was what I wanted to do. I know. So you just gave um, a quick history lesson of where you from in Roxbury, and um, listed a whole bunch of legendary basketball players who left an imprint um, on the game of basketball out here. Uh, Jaquille Taylor, for yourself, you grew up in the city of Cambridge, uh, where basketball is also deep-rooted. Um, with that being said, who were some influences in the city that you grew up watching and just were in awe of when you saw them play? Well, it was really more all the high school players that I watched when I was growing up that came out of Ringe. I, mean, I didn't really see a lot of them play because I was still young. But when I got the chance to see him, uh, I really liked seeing the um, varsity level. So I'm like, you know what, maybe I can play at that level. And I started to play against him when I was in like eighth grade. Like, and then when I hit my freshman year, I was like, okay, I'm gonna be all right. And I ended up making varsity as a freshman. But <clears throat> I really looked up to all the high school players and then I, I, knew, I knew the history of Cambridge Ranger Latin. It all started with Patrick Ewan, so with watching him, I'm just like, dang, <laughs> just dag. I thought he was, a, I thought he was really, and he happens to play in, he happens to play in the NBA too. He now coach for Georgetown now. He still come to Cambridge every now and then, but that's just the one person I've always looked up to, like as far as like the history of like Cambridge Ringe, because my goal was to be better than him. That's mm -hmm. that was just my personal goal. Like if I can surpass him, then I know I can be. I'm gonna be all right. That was just my own personal goal. Okay. Now you say he comes like Patrick Ewing comes back to Cambridge, and you know, even at the level that he's at, and he still comes back, and you you know you point out um, how that impacts you. And do you feel as though there's a 
there's somebody in the NBA now who could come back and have that same impact on kids who's a pro or was an NBA pro that can come back and have an impact on kids where if the kids seen them walk into a gym, they would just shut the gym down. They will, they will grab any kid's attention. This question is for the both of you. I mean, absolutely. Uh, I think that uh, whether these NBA guys know it or not, they're, um, they're some of these kids' biggest idols. You know, like some of these kids idolize them to the point where like, you know, you don't know what the, you don't know what these kids home situation is. So in some kids cases, these NBA guys are the only positive male role model enforcements that they see. So they emulate what they do. They want to live that lifestyle that they live. Um, and, you know, they lead the life that some of these guys live. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I think that any form or like any thing that these players do to give back to the community, to give back to the kids, it's just, it's so much, it, it's so big that they don't even probably understand how big it is, how big of an impact that they're making. That's why I have so much respect for LeBron and, you know, what he does. Um, people get into these, these GOAT conversations. Um, LeBron is the GOAT hands down um you know for what he does on the court but i think for what he does more importantly off the court you know he's out here changing lives man and and you know it's bigger than basketball yeah, man it's bigger go. than basketball there you go. and i have so much respect for him um and he just never seems to amaze me for the thing for the things that he does Jaquil, you could yeah going yeah. off of that I really have a tremendous amount of respect for LeBron too. Not only because the man grew up without a father, he's also a great father to his um f to his kids, and he's creating like he came from a very un very bad situation, and he was able to be successful. So I mean that that's a, that's just a lot by itself. Like most kids that are in the, that are, don't have great living situations, that are some some are maybe even homeless. Mm -hmm. It lets them know that they have a chance to get out because they see someone like LeBron that made it out of that area, and they can use basketball as a as a vehicle. Like basketball's not the uh, like it's not the end of the world. Like if you don't make, it, you don't make it. But like you can use basketball as a tool to to create an opportunity not just for yourself but for people around you as well. Mm. Tough. <clears throat> so you you mentioned success. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna go off of that. Collegiate graduates here. Got a degree in your belt. <laughs> right? I mean, coming from the situations and the, the neighborhoods that y'all grew up in, you can say that you got a degree under your belt. Right? Now, both of y'all went through a situation where you had to transfer to a new school. Um, talk about that transition in terms of transferring, in terms of what you have to go through to actually make that decision. Cause I know that's a tough decision to make, to transfer, um, and then finding success at that next uh, at that next stop. Uh, and talk about what you went through first. Oh man, um, I went through quite an experience. Uh, you know, I did my freshman year at Wake Forest. Um, I was, you know, um, 
I was able to get a scholarship to Wake out of high school. You know, everything was great. Um, I had a really good season down there for a freshman. You know, I, um, in the amount of minutes I played, I really had some good games. And, um, you know, I, I felt like I showed, I showed well down there. You know, I played about 15 minutes a game, um, close to seven, whatever the stats were. But um, ultimately number one I just wasn't happy with the the school I just wasn't um you know socially I just wasn't like getting it down there I just you know I, I needed a better fit is what I should say um but you know at the end of my freshman year I had a sit down with like my coach and stuff and I'll get to that after this um I had to sit down with my coach me and Coach P sat down. He talked to my mom. He talked to my dad. I expressed I expressed to him how I was feeling, you know, as far as the school goes. And I'm just not really – I don't like the school. And, um, you know, he ultimately convinced me to come back to school and, and give it another go around. And, and I said, okay, all right. We talked it over. And um, I said, you know what, Coach, I appreciate you. I appreciate you showing that you care showing that you care enough to, you know, really have a sit down with my parents and, and and let's give this another go around. It's my freshman year. Let's give it another go around. Um, you know, later on that summer comes and uh, you know, the unfortunate situation of him passing away. A from a, yeah, yeah. Yep, from a sudden heart attack when he was jogging outside in about ninety degree weather like it is now. Um, that kinda changed my whole perspective on things. Uh I had never been through anything like that, um, and you know it, it. It really, it really played with me mentally, and I ultimately decided to come back up north and um, you know go to UMass, and uh, you know it was a, <laughs> it was definitely a tough transition for me at first because, you know, I had another coaching change when I when I was at UMass. Mm -hmm. Because I, I went to UMass, you know, Travis Ford was the coach there at the time. And, you know, during my redshirt season, the program had done well. They made it to, I think it was the NIT Final Four or the NIT Finals or something like that. And they had a really good season. So now, once that happens, Travis is on the, he, he's on the, you know, he's on the board for a lot of different jobs yeah. now. He's on the... Yep. He's a lot of different schools are calling him to acquire his services. That's just business right there. That's yep. how the game goes. You know, if you're a coach and you win at this level, all right, there's going to be schools at this level that are going to want to bring you up. Yep. That's just that's life. So Travis ultimately decided to take the job at Oklahoma State. Leaving me kind of stuck there because I'm not going to transfer again. Mm -hmm. And I went there to play for him, but I'm not gonna, you know, what what else am I gonna do now? Mm. I gotta, it's, it's time to put your hard hat on and go to work. So, um, in comes my college coach that was there at the time I was there, Derek Kellogg. Um, in comes him, and you know he brings in a new system, and obviously he's you know bringing in his own guys as well too. Not for the first year I was there, but. For the years coming, he starts to bring in his own recruits. So I had to kind of find my niche. I had to get in where I fit in, um, you know, play under his system and also 
you know, find a way to be successful as well, mm-hmm. too, man. It was it was definitely some ups and downs, but ultimately, man, it was it was a fun ride there, you know. I had I wish we would have won a couple more ball games. But overall, I um, you know, I enjoyed my time at UMass. I definitely did and you know, it 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 was definitely a good time playing under Coach Kellogg and you know, it is what it is at this point. Okay. Kill, talk about your transition and your new situation over at Hofstra. Okay, my situation is a little different than yours. <clears throat> um, well, it's, it really all started in high school, my junior year. That was supposed to be the year that everything was supposed to, like, take off. But then I ended up breaking my foot, getting a Liz Frank fracture, and I ended up having to get surgery. And I was out for the whole year. I missed the whole summer. So then after all that, all my offers just went away. I had Maryland, VCU, I think Pitt, and a few other schools. They all just went away. And then my senior year came, and then I had offers from uh, Providence, St. Joe's, and CNT. And then out of nowhere, Purdue just gave me, just offered me. So, I mean, I like the fact that they gave me an opportunity that no one else would give me after I got hurt. I mean, I was really going to choose between them and NCNT because my brother went to NCNT, so I wanted to play my older brother. But then, after a while, I realized that Purdue is probably the best option for me to go to because it's the it's a very good competition. Yeah, I play against almost every single day. I get to play against an NBA player almost every single day. So, well, actually, I did play against an NBA player every single day. And then, so I thought the best decision for me to do was to go to Purdue. I ain't gonna lie to you, it was a huge culture shock. Big time culture shock. First time I got there, the well, first thing I seen was a cornfield. <laughs> and I saw a farm and I saw a basketball, but I was like, man, what the? <laughs> I, I was frustrated that first, that first, because I'm from the city. I'm, much, I'm, I'm used to seeing a bunch of buildings, a bunch of traffic. A corner store. Exactly, a corner store. <laughs> Sidewalks. <laughs> all that. There was like maybe like a few stoplights. I was like, what the? So it was different out there. The thing is, you know how people like in the city aren't don't talk a lot and everything like that. People in Indiana, like where I, like where I come from, when people come up to you, normally they want something. People in Indiana would just come up to you, just start talking. You was like, "Hey, how you doing? How's your day?" Things like that. I'm just like, <laughs> I was like, "Hey, man, what do you want?" <laughs> so I was I was conf- I was a little like I was a little uneasy my first year. Yeah. So I mean, it was it was a it was a struggle. I'm not gonna lie to you. And I also got to play against um, AJ Hammonds, a uh, really talented big man, who was the leading shot blogger in the nation at the time. And then I played against Isaac Haas, who was who came in as a, who came in in my class. Dude was seven two three fifteen, and I came in I was two oh six. Wow! And I have no chance. I'll be honest, <laughs> I had none. And I played against AJ. He was he was two eighty. So I was AJ like, who? AJ Hammonds. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was like, damn. So that first year, that was a, that was a rough first year. I also ended up getting hurt too, so I didn't help out either. Okay. And also, in my next year, um, they brought in an All American, Caleb Swanigan. Mm-hmm. And then I remember him. Then Vince Edwards started to come into his own too. And then there was AJ, and there was still Isaac still. So I mean, I knew I wasn't gonna play. I mean, he he pretty much decided what he's gonna do already. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna get through this year, and then we'll see what happens next year. Next year, I end up getting hurt again. 
I had a stress fracture in my ankle. So that that made it even harder to deal with. And then that same week, I lost my grandfather. My grandfather passed away that same week. Mm. Uh, Tough. And then, so, I mean, it just it just seems like everything was just going downhill from there. But, I mean, like, with the help of with, um, Vince, we had a very good friendship. I had a very good friendship with Vince and Isaac. So by having them around was what helped me get through the loss of my grandfather mm. and having my um, injury. Okay. So they helped me out big time in that area. So then, like, in that same year, we also happened to win the Big Ten, too, mm-hmm. and ended up going to the Sweet 16. And so that was, a, that was a good run we had. So, and then Biggie had a phenomenal year that year. Yep. He, he averaged about 18 and 12. Yep. Probably one of the, I think he's probably the only person to ever do that for through history. I th- I'm, if I'm thinking, if I'm saying that right, I think he's the only one to ever do that. I knew it was going to happen when I saw the first two games, he had 20 and 20. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, he, 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 ain't, he ain't staying no more. And then the next year, when he, then, then um, next year, I thought, okay, it's my turn. I, I had I had a little setback, but I'm I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna do what I gotta do overseas. When we go to World University games, we, we represent the USA team. Yep. So World University World University games. I'm like, okay, this is my time where I can show that I deserve to play. So we go overseas. And I happen to I play 15. I average about 14.6 minutes, and I averaged about let's say 5.8 points per game and 6.1 rebounds and 14.6 minutes. Now I think that's I think that's pretty solid. And then I also had a game where I had seven points and fourteen rebounds in sixteen mm. minutes. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm gonna be fine. And then the year comes, and then like like right before practice starts, I end up getting a small crack in my I have like a small crack in my ankle because of the um the past injury I had. So I had to stay out the whole month, and that whole month. I was I pretty much lost my time, and then okay, and then we had a freshman Matt Harms who had who was coming to his own too, and Coach Payne decided to go with him instead of me, so okay. that pretty much just left me in the dust pretty much. So when I saw that, I was just like, after this year, there's really no point in me staying. So I, I had I had multiple talks with Coach Payne. I mean, don't get me wrong, I I have a tremendous amount of respect for Coach Payne. But to be honest, I don't like the position that I was in. Like I'm a senior. Like I'm trying to get to that. I'm trying to go pro. Yeah. And by me only playing 15 minutes a game, that's not that's not gonna get, get you it done. Yeah. So yeah. how'd you get to Hofstra? Well, how I got to Hofstra? Like honestly, after the year ended, I was on the I was on the border of transferring, but I wasn't particularly sure. I like what I did was I made a whole list, like pros for leaving and cons for leaving. Yeah. And I made and I saw that I made a large list of pros for leaving. Mm-hmm. I, and I saw the cons. I was like, I don't th- – because, like, I, I got – I was getting my degree. So, I mean, I pretty much paid my due already. Yep. So, I was like, okay, there's more pros for me leaving than there are cons. So, I mean, I think the decision is pretty much made. I think I think it's best for me to leave. Okay. Because, like, in order for me to – in order for me to get to where I want to be – I couldn't be in the right situation. Yeah, I couldn't be at Purdue because I because I I like the the like the um year coming in like the upcoming year, there was a bunch of a bunch of young guys and then they had Matt Harms and he, he already in his mind he already knew he was starting Matt. Yeah. And then these other freshmen that are that are hungry too and like very athletic and whatnot. So okay. I'm looking at maybe ten maybe fifteen minutes if I if I was to stay. Okay. And quite frankly, I wasn't trying to deal with that. Gotcha. 
So let me, let me ask Ant a question real quick. Um, Ant, I know you have the iHoop Academy that mentors young kids, you know, in order to get to where you and Jaquil are, just in, on a basketball standpoint for the love of it. Um, could you tell us about iHoop Academy? And I know it's for young kids, but could you see yourself actually mentoring guys like Jaquil at this age also? Yeah, I mean, the great thing about iHoop is, uh, you know, we're old enough to, you know, for these guys to, to look up to us. And, you know, we have that we that age, that age difference. Mm-hmm. We're old enough for them to look up to us. I mean, like, recently this past week, a couple guys been calling me OG. I'm like, dang, I'm looking at the clock like, <laughs> man, am I, re- am, I really the, am I really the OG now? Like, but... um. You know they're old enough. We're old enough for them to look up to us, but we're also young enough for to connect with them on that level. Like we can still connect with the kids. We can still connect with the culture. We listen to the same type of music they listen to. We're you know adapted to some of the same lifestyle that they're accustomed to as well. Mm. So that's why I think it's really great for us because we can connect with these young kids, and we can also connect with these pros too. Gotcha. I mean, you know, we're very versatile in that aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and to answer your question, of course, I um, can see myself, you know, mentoring and, and, and connecting to guys in his position as well, too. Um, you know, that's what we do. That's what we do, man. We wear a lot of different hats, uh, you know, mentoring, um, training, um, just a lot of different things, man. Talent evaluation, whatever, whatever, like it, What's we some def- advice you could give Jaquil going into his senior season? Oh, man. Um, Jaquil going into his senior season, man. Uh, I would honestly just say, just leave it all out there, bro. Um, whatever happened in your past, it's in your past. Just let it go. You know, focus on what's, what's, uh, what's next. Mm-hmm. And that's you having a big senior year. Um, I know the feeling of being doubted. Um, you know, some people would question me on this, but like going into my senior year, I didn't even know if I was going to start. Like I told you earlier in the podcast, my coach had brought in his own recruits, his own own guys. So my whole mindset going into my senior season was, Hey, I got to eat or I'm going to get eight. I got to, I got to prove myself even more than I had to in the previous years because some of the guys that he had brought in were getting older mm-hmm. and they were pushing me for minutes. Gotcha. You know, when I went, when, when my junior year, when, when his first recruiting class got there, they were still young and they were still getting acclimated to the system, acclimated to college. Some guys had the red shirt. It was a, you know, it was, I wasn't getting pushed as hard as I was my senior year. There were okay. questions where, oh, well, are we going to start Anthony? Uh, are we going to start Freddie? Are we going to start, um, you know, Javon? Like, who, who, who who's going to start? So, um, you know, I went into it with a with a, the mindset, the mindset yeah. that, man, listen, <laughs> it's on. Okay. It's on. And I'm going to prove myself and I'm going to lead this team. Okay. I'm the senior. I'm one of the oldest on the team. Um, I've been around the block. I've been through this. I've played at a high level. But leadership. You know, I just had to take that leadership role and, and just go out there and just take what's mine. I got two final questions before we, and then we're going to wrap up. Um, success after basketball. 
like your pathway. Um, and you played at the pro level. Um, Jaquil, you're, you're right there. So just a quick question. I need two names. One name from you, Jaquil, one name from you. And we're going to compare the, like, the differences between those two. Who's the toughest person you've ever had to play against? You followed up, Jaquil. I would, uh, in college or in the pros? Oh, everywhere that you've played mm. at any level. It could be at the AAU level, any level. I would probably say, and it's funny that, you know, we was talking about Keith earlier because I would probably have to say um, his teammate at DePaul, Wilson Chandler. Mm. Like he was a tough check in college, man. He was about six seven, six eight. He was strong. He was very athletic. He can shoot. He can put the ball to the deck. He can post you up. He was just he was just a tough check, man. And me, you know, having to match up with him sometimes on the wing, like unfortunately, yeah. if I happen to get switched on to him or you know, it was it's just one of them difference. type of things. Yeah. And and me just observing him from the sideline sometimes as well too, because you know. Um, Sometimes just, puts you in awe. Yeah, I'm just like, skill, man, right? this dude got the juice right here. He's really, you know, he's really about that life. Yeah. So um, that's one of the guys that come to mind. I'm sure there's like plenty yeah. others that I, I'm just not thinking of yeah. right now. But that's a good you know, call. That's yeah. a good. That's a good one. What about yeah. you, Jaquil? You want just one or multiple? just one? That's one. Ah, <laughs> just one. That's a hard one, man. Yeah, it's a tough. It's a tough question, man. Yeah. I mean, honestly. I would say I'd probably say Caleb Swannigan was probably one of the hardest dudes I ever had to play against in practice. Yeah, you had to match up with him yeah, every day. Yeah, every day. <laughs> like the thing is, Biggie's Biggie's worth ethic work ethic was unbelievable. I've never seen a dude who put so much into his into his goal. That, like hey, that's like, what y'all call him, Big E? No, Biggie. Biggie. Oh, Biggie. 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 Oh. We call him Biggie. <laughs> I, I call I thought, him Biggie. I thought, I thought, was Big e I thought he said Big E. Yeah, I'm like, oh, what, where did E, e come into play yeah. like that? <laughs> Like okay. it, like the thing like here was here was Biggie's routine. He would wake up, he would go work out, and after he would work out, he would go lift. After he would lift, he would do his cardio for like a good forty minutes, and then he'd knock out his homework and go go through a hard practice. After practice, he'd go back into the into the weight room and do uh, nothing to do another forty minutes mm -hmm. of cardio. Yeah, he's a worker. Okay. Man. He's definitely a worker. He was just one dude that just never got tired. That's why it was so hard to guard him. I got this last question, and we're going to wrap up. Um, what is one message you could give to this next generation coming up that want to be a scholarship athlete? Hey, man, put your phones down. When you get in the gym, <laughs> it's time to work. It's not time to get on social media. It's not time to film. Oh, it's Snapchat. Put the phones down, man. When you come into the gym, it's time to work. You step into the gym with a purpose. As soon as you step between those lines, it's all business. Now I want you to say a player's name who's coming up that you think has a chance and dedicate that message to them. Um, Man, there's a couple guys nah, out here. I need you to get one that you no, see on. who's the dominant, like, just like, yo, you got a chance if you just listen to what the OGs tell you. Oh man, there's a couple guys I like out here, man. Okay. Honestly, these young kids, I like uh, what's his name? I like Dame, uh, Dame, Damon Tate. I like him a lot. Oh yeah, he's yeah. yeah, he's tough, man. I like him. Um, you know, obviously we got uh, you know, Terrence Clark. Obviously, yep. Lil T. I've seen him come up throughout the years, and um, I'm just I'm happy for him and the success that he's having. Okay. Um. You know, there's, there's there's other kids too. You know, we we work with a lot of different kids, yeah. man. Throughout 
you know, it's with I Hoop Academy, we see a lot of these kids. kids come you know up. what I mean? Yeah. yeah, we got um we got a big kid that we work with uh Charles Coleman. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah, he, I know Charles. Big big CJ. He's yeah. really coming he's into he's really coming into his own. He's the right ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's the right judge. Yep, yep, yep. We got a uh we got another kid that uh works with us sometimes. Um he's at Brimmer May actually, Jordan Miner. He's a okay. big kid. Yeah, yep. So we got a couple of different kids that's okay. coming up and just aspiring and just trying to, you know, fulfill their dreams, man. Okay. But definitely to these kids, uh, you got, hey, there's no, you know, yeah. there's no elevator to success. Like, you got to take the steps okay. each and every single Ja'Kill, step. Jaquil, close us out and just tell us who you, a message you want to give to a, a certain player that you see coming up that would, that, that needs that type of message and guidance. Well, I mean... Since I got a little brother, since I got a little brother in college right now, I would tell my little brother that the sky's the limit for you, and um, that your work ethic—that's that's what's gonna turn determine whether how far you go, and um, <clears throat> and for my guys at Purdue as well, um, I I hope they do well too, and I I pray for them as well. That I hope that they're gonna have a that they do really well. All right. I want to thank Anthony Gurley and Jaquil Taylor for joining the podcast with us today. Yes, sir. Um, great success to you, Jaquil, this year at Hofstra, I hope. I appreciate right. it. Good and luck. Gurley, Good luck, great man. success with uh, I Hoop Academy, everything you're doing with the young children out in the city of Boston. It's much appreciated. They need that guidance. Yes, so sir. That's how you bridge the gap. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. Yeah.